0: Welcome to The Bondage of the Will by Martin Luther. We are continuing to read at page 81 for this reading. This Reformation audio resource is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. Many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog containing classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, CDs, and much more at great discounts are on the web at www.swrb.com. Also, please consider, pray, and act upon the important truths found in the following quotation by Charles Spurgeon. As the Apostle says to Timothy, so also he says to everyone, give yourself to reading. He who will not use the thoughts of other men's brains proves that he has no brains of his own. We need to read. Renounce as much as you will all light literature, but study as much as possible sound theological works especially the puritanic writers and expositions of the bible the best way for you to spend your leisure is to be either reading or praying and now at swrb's reading of the bondage of the will which we hope you find to be a great blessing and which we pray draws you nearer to the lord jesus christ for he is the way the truth and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by him. John 14.6 And now, page 81. Exordium, section 28. At your entrance, then, upon the disputation, you promise that you will go according to the canonical scriptures, and that, because Luther is swayed by the authority of no other writer whatever, Very well, I receive your promise. But, however, you do not make the promise on this account, because you judge that these same writers are of no service to your subject, but that you might not enter upon a field of labor in vain. For you do not, I know, quite approve of this audacity of mine, or by what other terms soever you choose to designate this my mode of discussion. For you say... So great a number of the most learned men, approved by the consent of so many ages, has no little weight with you, among whom were some of the most extensively acquainted with sacred writings, and also some of the most holy martyrs, many renowned for miracles, together with the more recent theologians, and so many colleges, councils, bishops, and popes, so that, in a word, on your side of the balance are, you say, learning "...genius, multitude, greatness, highness, fortitude, sanctity, miracles, and whatnot, but that on my side are only Wycliffe and a Laurentius Via, although Augustine also, whom you pass by, is wholly on my side, who in comparison with the others are of no weight whatever." That Luther, therefore, stands alone, a private individual, an upstart, with his followers, in whom there is neither that learning, nor that genius, nor multitude, nor magnitude, nor sanctity, nor miracles. For they have not ability enough, you say, to cure a lame horse. They make a show of Scripture, indeed, concerning which, however, they are as much in doubt as those on the other side of the question. They boast the Spirit also, which, however... They never show forth, and many other things which from the length of your tongue you are able to enumerate in great profusion. But these things have no effect upon us, for we say to you, as the wolf did to Nightingale, which he devoured, you are sound, and that's all. They say, you observe, and upon this only they would have us believe them. I confess, my friend Erasmus, that you may well be swayed by all these. These had such weight with me for upwards of ten years that I think no other mortal was ever so much under their sway. And I myself thought it incredible that this Troy of ours, which had for so long a time and through so many wars stood invincible, could ever be taken. And I call upon God for a record upon my soul that I should have continued so and have been under the same influence even unto this day had not an urging conscience and an evidence of things forced me into a different path. And you may easily imagine that my heart was not of stone and that if it had been of stone it would at least have been softened in struggling against so many tides and being dashed to and fro by so many waves when I was daring that which if I accomplished... I saw that the whole authority of those whom you have just enumerated would be poured down upon my head like an overwhelming flood. But this is not a time for setting forth a history of my own life or works, nor have I undertaken this discussion for the purpose of commending myself, but that I might exalt the grace of God. What I am, and with what spirit and design I have been led to these things, I leave to Him who knows." that all this is carrying on according to his own free will, not according to mine, though even the world itself ought to have found that out already. And certainly, by this exordium of yours, you throw me into a very offensive situation, out of which, unless I speak in favor of myself, and to the disparagement of so many fathers, I shall not easily extricate myself. But I will do it in a few words. According to your own judgment of me, then, I stand apart from all such learning, talents, multitude, authority, and everything else of the kind. Now, if I were to demand of you these three things, what is the manifestation of the Spirit? What are miracles? What is sanctification? As far as I have known you, from your letters and books, you would appear so great a novice and ignoramus that you would not be able to give three syllables of explanation. Or, if I should put it to you closely and demand of you, which one among all those of whom you boast you could to a certainty bring forth, either as being or having been a saint, or as having possessed the Spirit, or as having wrought miracles, I apprehend you would have not hot work of it, and all in vain. You bring forth many things that have been handed about in common use and in public sermons, but you do not credit how much of their weight and authority they lose when they are brought to the judgment of conscience. There is an old proverb, Many were accounted saints on earth whose souls are now in hell. Section 29 But we will grant you, if you please, that they were all saints, that they all had the Spirit, that they all wrought miracles, which, however, you do not require. But tell me this, Was any one of them made a saint? Did any one of them receive the Spirit or work miracles in the name or by virtue of free will? Or to confirm the doctrine of free will? Far be such a thought, you will say. But in the name and by virtue of Jesus Christ and for the confirmation of the doctrine of Christ, all these things were done. Why then do you bring forward the sanctity, the Spirit and the miracles of these in confirmation of the doctrine of free will, for which they were not wrought and given. Their miracles, spirit and sanctity, therefore belong to us who preach Jesus Christ, and not to the ability and works of men. And now, what wonder if those who were thus holy, spiritual and wonderful for miracles were sometimes under the influence of the flesh, and spoke and wrought according to the flesh." since that happened not once only to the very apostles under Christ himself. For you do not deny but assert that free will does not belong to the Spirit or to Christ but is human so that the Spirit who is promised to glorify Christ cannot preach free will. If therefore the fathers have at any time preached free will they have certainly spoken from the flesh seeing they were men not from the Spirit of God much less did they work miracles for its confirmation. Wherefore, your allegation concerning the sanctity, the Spirit, and the miracles of the Fathers is nothing to the purpose, because free will is not proved thereby, but the doctrine of Jesus Christ against the doctrine of free will. But come... Show forth still, you that are on the side of free will, and assert that a doctrine of this kind is true, that is, that it proceeds from the Spirit of God. Show forth still, I say, the Spirit, still work miracles, still evidence sanctity. Certainly you who make the assertion, owe this to us, who deny these things. The Spirit, sanctity, and miracles ought not to be demanded of us who maintain the negative, but from you who assert in the affirmative. The negative proposes nothing, is nothing, and is bound to prove nothing, nor ought to be proved. It is the affirmative that ought to be proved. You assert the power of free will and the human cause, but no miracle was ever seen or heard of as proceeding from God in support of a doctrine of the human cause, only in support of the doctrines of the divine cause. And we are commanded to receive no other doctrine whatever that is not first proved by signs from on high. Deuteronomy 18:15 through 22 Nay, the scripture calls man vanity and a lie which is nothing less than saying that all human things are vanities and lies Come forward then Come forward, I say and prove that your doctrine proceeding from human vanity and a lie is true Where is now your showing forth the Spirit? Where is your sanctity? Where are your miracles? I see your talents, your your erudition, and your authority, but those things God has given alike unto all the world. But, however, we will not compel you to work great miracles, nor to cure a lame horse, lest you should plead as an excuse the carnality of the age. Although God is wont to confirm his doctrines by miracles without any respect to carnality of the age, nor is he at all moved either by the merits or demerits of a carnal age, but by pure mercy and grace, and a love of souls which are to be confirmed by solid truth unto their glory. But we give you the choice of working any miracles, as small and one as you please. But come, I, in order to irritate your Baal into action, insult, and challenge you to create even one frog in the name and by virtue of free will, of which the Gentile and impious Magi in Egypt could create many. I will not put you to the task of creating lice, which neither could they produce, but I will descend a little lower yet. Take even one flea or louse, for you tempt and deride our God by your Curing of the lame horse and if after you have combined all the powers and concentrated all the efforts both of your god and your advocates you can in the name and by virtue of free will kill it you shall be victors your cause shall be established and we also will immediately come over and adore that god of yours that wonderful killer of the louse not that i deny that you could even remove mountains. But it is one thing to say that a certain thing was done by free will, and another to prove it. And what I have said concerning miracles, I say also concerning sanctity. If you can, out of such a series of ages, men, and all things which you have mentioned, show forth one work, if it be but the lifting a straw from the earth, or one word, if it be but the syllable my, or one thought of free will, if it be but the faintest sigh, by which men applied themselves unto grace, or by which they have merited the Spirit, or by which they have obtained pardon, or by which they have prevailed with God, even in the smallest degree, I say nothing about being sanctified thereby. Again I say, you shall be victors, and we vanquished. And that, as I repeat, in the name and by virtue of free will. For what things soever are wrought in men by the power of divine creation are supported by scripture testimonies in abundance. And certainly you ought to produce the same, unless you would appear such ridiculous teachers as to spread abroad throughout the world with so much arrogance and authority, doctrines concerning that of which you cannot produce one proof. For such doctrines will be called mere dreams, which are followed by nothing, than which nothing can be more disgraceful to men of so many ages, so great, so learned, so holy, and so miraculous. And if this be the case, we shall rank even the Stoics before you. For although they took upon them to describe such a wise man as they never saw, yet they did attempt to set forth some part of the character. But you cannot set forth anything whatever, not even the shadow of your doctrine. The same also I observe concerning the Spirit, If you can produce one out of all the asserters of free will who ever had a strength of mind and affection, even in the smallest degree so as in the name and by virtue of free will, to be able to disregard one farthing or to be willing to be without one farthing or to bear one word or sign of injury, I do not speak of the stoical contempt of riches, life, and fame. Again, the palm of victory shall be yours and we, as the vanquished, will willingly pass under the spear and these proofs you who with such trumpeting mouths sound forth the power of free will are bound to produce before us or else again you will appear to be striving to give establishment to a nothing or to be acting like him who sat to see a play in an empty theater section 30 but I will easily prove to you the contrary of all of this that such holy men as you boast of whenever they approach God either to pray to do approach Him utterly forgetful of their own free will and despairing of themselves crying unto Him for pure grace only feeling that at the same time that they deserve everything that is the contrary in this state was Augustine often and in the same state was Bernard when at the point of death he said I have lost my time Because I have lived wrong. I do not see here that there was any power spoken of which could apply itself unto grace, but that all power was condemned as being only averse, although those same saints at the time when they disputed concerning free will spoke otherwise. And the same I see has happened unto all that when they are engaged in words and disputations they are one thing, but another when they come to experience and practice. In the former, They speak differently from what they felt before. In the latter, they feel differently from what they spoke before. But men, good as well as bad, are to be judged of more from what they feel than from what they say. But we'll indulge you still further. We will not require miracles, the Spirit, and sanctity. We return to the doctrine itself. We only require this of you, that you would at least explain to us What work, what word, what thought, that power of free will can move, attempt, or perform in order to apply itself unto grace? For it is not enough to say, there is, there is, there is a certain power of free will. For what is more easily said than this? Nor does such a way of proceeding become men the most learned and the most holy who have been approved by so many ages but must be called baby-like as we say in a German proverb. It must be defined what that power is, what it can do, and what it is passive and what takes place. To give you an example, for I shall press you most homely, this is what is required. Whether that power must pray or fast Or labor, or chastise the body, or give alms, or what other work of this kind it must do, or attempt. For if it be a power, it must do some kind of work. But here you are more dumb than the seraphian frogs and fishes. And how should you give the definition when according to your own testimony, you are at an uncertainty about the power itself, at difference among each other, and inconsistent with yourselves? And what must become of the definition when the thing to be defined has no consistency in itself? But be it so, that since the time of Plato you are at length agreed among yourselves concerning the power itself, and that its works may be defined to be praying, or fasting, or something of the same kind, which perhaps still lies undiscovered in the ideas of Plato. Who shall certify us that such is truth? that it pleases God and that we are doing right in safety. Especially when you yourselves assert that there is a human cause which has not the testimony of the Spirit because of its having been handled by philosophers and having existed in the world before Christ came and before the Spirit was sent down from heaven. It is most certain then that this doctrine was not sent down from heaven with the Spirit but sprung from the earth long before. And therefore there is need of weighty testimony whereby it may be confirmed to be true and sure. We will grant, therefore, that we are private individuals and few, and you, public characters and many. We, ignorant, and you, the most learned. We, stupid, and you, the most acute. We, creatures of yesterday, and you, older than Gusalian. We never received, and you approved by so many ages. In a word, we sinners, carnal, and dolts, and you, awe-striking to the very devils for your sanctity, spirit, and miracles. Yet, allow us the right at least of Turks and Jews to ask of you that reason for your doctrine, which your favorite Peter has commanded you to give. We ask it of you in the most modest way. That is, We do not require it to be proved by sanctity, by the Spirit, and by miracles, which, however, we could do in our own right, seeing that you yourselves require that of others. Nay, we even indulge you so far as not to require you to produce any example of a work, a word, or a thought in confirmation of your doctrine, but only to explain to us the doctrine itself, and merely to tell us plainly what you would have to be understood by it and what the form of it is. If you will not or cannot do this, then let us at least attempt to set forth an example of it ourselves. For you are as bad as the Pope himself and his followers who say you are to do as we say but not to do as we do. In the same manner you say that that power requires a work to be done and so we shall be set on to work, while you remain at your ease. But will you not grant us this, that the more you are in numbers, the longer you are in standing, the greater you are, the farther you are, on all accounts superior to us, the more disgraceful it is to you that we, who in every respect are as nothing in your eyes, should desire to learn and practice your doctrine, and that you should not be able to prove it either by any miracle, or by the killing of a louse, or by any the least motion of the Spirit, or by any the least work of sanctity, nor even to bring forth any example of it, either in work or word? And further, a thing unheard of before, that you should not be able to tell us plainly of what form the doctrine is and how it is to be understood? Oh, excellent teachers of free will! What are you now but sound only? Who now, Erasmus, are they who boast of the Spirit but show it not forth? Who say only and then wish men to believe them? Are not your friends they who are thus extolled to the skies and who can say nothing and yet boast of and exact such great things? We entreat therefore you and yours, my friend Erasmus, that you will allow us to stand aloof and tremble with fear, alarmed at the peril of our conscience, or at least to waive our assenting to a doctrine which, as you yourself see, even though you should succeed to the utmost and all your arguments should be proved and established, is nothing but an empty term. And a sounding of these syllables, there is a power of free will. There is a power of free will. Moreover, It still remains an uncertainty among your own friends themselves, whether it be a term even or not, for they differ from each other and are inconsistent with themselves. It is most iniquitous, therefore, nay, the greatest of miseries, that our consciences, which Christ has redeemed by his blood, should be tormented by the ghost of one term, and that a term which has no certainty in it. And yet, If we should not suffer ourselves to be thus tormented, we should be held as guilty of, unheard of pride, for disregarding so many fathers of so many ages who have asserted free will. Whereas the truth is, as you see from what has been said, they never defined anything whatever concerning free will, but the doctrine of free will is erected under the covering and upon the basis of their name, of which... Nevertheless, they can show no form, and for which they can fix no term. And thus they delude the world with a term that is a lie. Section 31 And here, Erasmus, I call to your remembrance your own advice. You just now advised that questions of this kind be omitted, and that Christ crucified be rather taught, and those things which suffice unto Christian piety but this we are now seeking after and doing. What are we contending for but that the simplicity and purity of the Christian doctrine should prevail and that those things should be left and disregarded which have been invented and introduced with it by men. But you who give this advice do not act according to it yourself. Nay, you act contrary to it. You write diatribes. You exalt the decrees of the popes. You honor the authority of men. And you try all means to draw us aside into these strange things and contrary to the Holy Scriptures. But you consider not the things that are necessary, how that by so doing we should corrupt the simplicity and sincerity of the Scriptures and confound them with the added inventions of men, from which we plainly discover that you did not give us that advice from your heart and that you write nothing seriously. But take it for granted that you can, by the empty bowls of your words, turn the world as you please, whereas you turn them nowhere, for you say nothing whatever but mere contradictions in all things and everywhere. So that he would be most correct who should call you the very Proteus himself, or Verdimus, or should say with Christ, Physician, heal thyself, the teacher, whose own faults his ignorance prove, has need to hide his head. Until, therefore, you shall have proved your affirmative, we stand fast in our negative. And in the judgment, even of all that company of saints of whom you boast, or rather, of the whole world, we dare to say, and we glory in saying, that it is our duty not to admit that which is nothing, and which cannot to a certainty be proved what it is. And you must all be possessed of incredible presumption or of madness to demand that to be admitted by us for no other reason than because you, as being many, great, and of long standing, choose to assert that which you yourselves acknowledge to be nothing, as though it were a conduct becoming Christian teachers to mock the miserable people in things pertaining to godliness, with that which is nothing, as if it were a matter that essentially concerned their salvation. Where is that former acumen of the Grecian talent, which heretofore at least covered lies under some elegant symbolage of truth? It now lies in open and naked words. Where is that former dexterously labored latinity? It now thus deceives and is deceived by one most empty term. But thus it happens to the senseless or the malicious readers of books. All those things which were the infirmities of the fathers or of the saints, they make to be of the highest authority. The fault, therefore, is not in the authors, but in the readers. It is as though one relying on the holiness and the authority of St. Peter should contend that all that St. Peter ever said was true and should even attempt to persuade us that it was truth when, Matthew 16.22, from the infirmity of the flesh, he advised Christ not to suffer. Or that where he commanded Christ to depart from him out of the ship, Luke 5.8, and many other of those things for which he was rebuked of Christ. Men of this sort are like unto them who, for the sake of ridicule, idly say that all things that are in the gospel are not true and they catch hold of that John 8:48 where the Jews say unto Christ do we not say well that thou art a Samaritan and hast the devil or that he is guilty of death or that we found this fellow perverting our nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar these do the same thing as those asserters of free will but for a different end and not willfully but from blindness and ignorance for they so catch at that which the fathers falling by the infirmity of the flesh have said in favor of free will that they even oppose it to that which the same fathers have elsewhere in the power of the spirit said against free will nay they so urge and force it that the better is made to give way to the worse hence it comes to pass that they give authority to the worse expressions because they fall in with their fleshly mind and take it from the better because they make against their fleshly minds but why do we not rather select the better for there are many such in the fathers to produce an example what can be more carnally nay what more impiously sacrilegiously and blasphemously spoken than that which Jerome is wont to say virginity people's heaven and marriage the earth as though the earth and not heaven was intended for the patriarchs the apostles, and Christian husbands, or as though heaven was designed for Gentile, vestal virgins who are without Christ. And yet, these things and others of the same kind, the sophists collect out of the fathers that they may procure unto them authority, carrying all things more by numbers than by judgment. As that disgusting carpenter of Constance did, who lately made that jewel of his the stable of Aegeus a present to the public that there might be a something to cause nausea and vomit in the pious and the learned. Section 32. And now, while I am making these observations, I will reply to that remark of yours where you say, that it is not to be believed that God would overlook an error in his church for so many ages and not reveal to anyone of his saints that which we contend for as being the grand essential of the Christian doctrine. In the first place, we do not say that this error was overlooked of God in his church or in any one of his saints. For the church is ruled by the Spirit of God, and the saints are led by the Spirit of God. Romans 8.14 And Christ is with his church even unto the end of the world. Matthew 28.20 And the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. 1 Timothy 3.15 These things I say we know, for the creed which we all hold runs thus, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, so that it is impossible that she can err even the least article. And even if we should grant that some of the elect are held in error through the whole of their lives, yet they must, of necessity, return into the way of truth before their death. For Christ says, John 10.28, No one shall pluck them out of my hand. But this is the labor. This is the point. Whether it can be proved to a certainty that those whom you call the church were the church, or rather whether, having been in error throughout their whole life, they were at last brought back before death. For this will not easily be proved if God suffered all those most learned men whom you adduce to remain in error through so long a series of ages. Therefore, God suffered his church to be in error. But look at the people of Israel where during so many kings and so long a time not one king is mentioned who never was in error. And under Elijah the prophet all the people and everything that was public among them had so gone away into idolatry that he thought that he himself was the only one left. Whereas while the kings, the princes, the prophets, and whatever could be called the people or the church of God was going to destruction, God was reserving to himself 7,000. Romans 11.4 But who could see these or know them to be the people of God? And who even now dares to deny that God, under all these great men, for you make mention of none but men in some high office or some great name, was reserving to himself a church among the commonalty, and suffering all those to perish after the example of the kingdom of Israel. For it is peculiar to God to restrain the elect of Israel, and to slay their fat ones, but to preserve the refuse and remnant of Israel. Psalm 78.31, Isaiah 1, nine, chapter 10, 20-22, as well as chapter 11, 11-16. What happened under Christ himself when all the apostles were offended at him, and when he was denied and condemned by all the people, and there were only a Joseph, a Nicodemus, and a thief upon the cross preserved? Were they then said to be the people of God? There was indeed a people of God remaining, but it was not called the people of God. And that which was so called was not the people of God. And who knows who are the people of God, when throughout the whole world, from its origin, the state of the church was always such that those who were called the people and saints of God, who were not so, while others among them, who were as a refuse and were not called the people and saints of God, were the people and saints of God, as is manifest in the histories of Cain and Abel, of Ishmael and Isaac, of Esau and Jacob. Look again at the age of the Arians when scarcely five Catholic bishops were preserved throughout the whole world and they, driven from their places while the Arians reigned everywhere bearing the public name and office of the church. Nevertheless, under these heretics, Christ preserved his church, but so that it was the least thought or considered to be the church. Again, show me under the kingdom of the Pope one bishop discharging his office. Show me one counsel in which their transactions were concerning the things pertaining to godliness and not rather concerning gowns, dignities, revenues, and other baubles which they could not say, without being mad, pertain to the Holy Spirit. Nevertheless, they are called the church when all, at least who live as they do, must be reprobates and anything but the church. And yet, even under them Christ preserved His church, Though it was not called the Church. How many saints must you imagine those of the Inquisition have, for some ages, burnt and killed, as John Huss and others, in whose time, no doubt, there lived many holy men of the same spirit? Why do you not rather wonder at this, Erasmus, that there ever were, from the beginning of the world, more distinguished talents? greater erudition, more ardent pursuit among the world in general than among Christians or the people of God. As Christ himself declares, the children of this world are wiser than the children of light. Luke 16.8 What Christian can be compared, to say nothing of the Greeks, with Cicero alone for talents, for erudition, or for indefatigability? What shall we say, then, was the preventative cause that no one of them was able to attain unto grace, who certainly exerted free will with its utmost powers. Who dares say that there was no one among them who contended for truth with all his efforts? And yet we must affirm that no one of them all attained unto it. Will you here too say it is not to be believed that God would utterly leave so many great men throughout such a series of ages and permit them to labor in vain? Certainly, if free will were anything or could do anything, it must have appeared and wrought something in those men, at least in some one instance. But it availed nothing. Nay, it always wrought in the contrary direction. Hence, by this argument only, it may be sufficiently proved that free will is nothing at all, since no proof of it can be produced even from the beginning of the world to the end. Section 33 But to return, what wonder if God should leave all the elders of the church to go their own ways, who thus permitted all the nations to go their own ways, as Paul said in Acts 14.16 and Acts 17.30. But my friend Erasmus... The church of God, indeed, is not so common a thing as this term, church of God. Nor are the saints of God, indeed, everywhere to be found like the term, saints of God. They are pearls and precious jewels which the Spirit does not cast before swine, but which, as the Scripture expresses it, He keeps hidden, that the wicked see not the glory of God. Otherwise, if they were openly known of all, how could it come to pass that they should be thus vexed and afflicted in the world? As Paul saith in 1 Corinthians 2.8, Had they known him, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. I do not say these things because I deny that those whom you mention are the saints and church of God, but because it cannot be proved, if anyone should deny it, that they really are saints, but must be left quite in uncertainty. And because, therefore, the position deduced from their holiness is not sufficiently credible for the confirmation of my doctrine. I call them saints, and look upon them as such. I call them the church, and look upon them as such, according to the law of charity, but not according to the law of faith. That is, charity, which always thinks the best of everyone, and suspects not, but believes and presumes all things for good concerning its neighbor. Calls everyone who is baptized a saint. Nor is there any peril if she err, for charity is liable to err, seeing that she has exposed all the uses and abuses of all, and universal handmaid to the good and to the evil, to the believing and to the unbelieving, to the true and to the false. But faith calls no one a saint but him who is declared to be so by the judgment of God, for faith is not liable to be deceived. Therefore, although we ought all to be looked upon as saints by each other by the law of charity, yet no one ought to be decreed a saint by the law of faith, so as to make it an article of faith that such or such an one is a saint. For in this way, that adversary of God, the Pope, canonized his minions whom he knows not to be saints, setting himself in the place of God. 2 Thessalonians 2.4 All that I say concerning those saints of yours, or rather ours, is this. That since they have spoken differently from each other, those should rather be selected who have spoken the best. That is, who have spoken in defense of grace and against free will. And those left, who through the infirmity of the flesh, have borne witness of the flesh rather than of the spirit. And also, that those who are inconsistent with themselves should be selected and caught at in those parts of their writings where they speak from the Spirit and left where they savor of the flesh. This is what becomes a Christian reader and a clean beast dividing the hoof and chewing the cud, Leviticus 11.3 and Deuteronomy 14.6. Whereas now, laying aside judgment, we swallow down all things together. Or, what is worse, by a perversion of judgment, we cast away the best and receive the worst out of the same authors and moreover affixed to those worst parts the title and authority of their sanctity which sanctity they obtained not on account of free will or the flesh but on account of the best things even of the spirit only section 34 but you say what therefore shall we do the church is hidden the saints are unknown what in whom shall we believe or or, as you most sharply dispute who will certify us How shall we search out the Spirit? If we look to erudition, all are rabbins. If we look to life, all are sinners. If we look to the Scripture, they each claim it as belonging to them. But however, our discussion is not so much concerning the Scripture, which is not itself sufficiently clear, but concerning the sense of the Scripture and though there are men of every order at hand yet as neither numbers nor erudition nor dignity is of any service to the subject much less can paucity, ignorance and mean rank avail anything well then, I suppose the matter must be left in doubt and the point of dispute remain before the judge so that we should seem to act with policy if we should go over to the sentiments of the skeptics "...unless, indeed, we were to act as you wisely do, for you pretend that you are so much in doubt that you professedly desire to seek and learn the truth, while at the same time you cleave to those who assert free will until the truth be made glaringly manifest. But no, I hear in reply to you observe that you neither say all nor nothing." For we shall not search out the Spirit by the arguments of erudition, of life, of talent, of multitude, of dignity, of ignorance, of inexperience, of paucity, or of meanness of rank. And yet, I do not approve of those whose whole resource is in a boasting of the Spirit. For I have the last year and have still a sharp warfare with those fanatics who subject the Scriptures to the interpretation of their own boasted spirit. On the same account also, I have hitherto determinately set myself against the Pope, in whose kingdom nothing is more common or more generally received than this saying, that the scriptures are obscure and ambiguous, and that the Spirit, as the interpreter, should be sought from the apostolical see of Rome, than which nothing could be said that was more destructive. For by means of this saying... A set of impious men have exalted themselves above the scriptures themselves, and by the same have done whatever pleased them, till at length the scriptures are absolutely trodden underfoot, and we, compelled to believe and teach nothing but the dreams of men that are mad. In a word, that saying is no human invention, but a poison poured forth into the world by a wonderful malice of the devil himself, the prince of all demons." This Reformation audio resource is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. Many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog containing classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, CDs, and much more at great discounts are on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com or by phone at 780 450 3730 or by fax at 780 468 1096 or by mail at 4710 37A Avenue, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, T6L 3T5. If you do not have a web connection, please request a free printed catalog. If you do have a web connection and would like to be added to our email list, please send an email to add, that's add at swrb.com, or simply to swrb at swrb.com with the word add in the subject line. SWRB's email list is a double opt-in list, so once you've sent us your email address, you will be asked by email to confirm that you want to join our list using the email address you have supplied. Your email information will be kept confidential, of course, and you can easily remove yourself from our email list by simply emailing us at swrb at swrb.com with the word remove in the subject line. And once you are on our email list, we will alert you to all the new free Reformation resources, free MP3s, free electronic books and texts, etc. SWRB makes available on the web as well as, at times, our best discounts and super specials. We also encourage you to reproduce this audio resource and to pass it on to your friends but we only authorize this as long as the full contents of the message including the header and trailer is not altered in any way as long as the audio file or cassette is given away for free. Thank you again for listening to this SWRB reading and remember that Isaiah 26.3 states Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. And 2 Corinthians 13.11 concludes Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you.